All right, it's time for our Miami Sports Pod. And as we begin this new week of uh, a lot of different topics, Will Manso, Clay Furrow, Dookie Lane, guys, we won't center on this just one thing because right now we're kind of at that crossroads, uh, you know. We had a big, kind of interesting week, and it was, it was as it ended as abruptly as that music there by Dookie Lang as the producer. <laughs> On the ones and twos, baby. Listen, don't quit your day job, Mister DJ over there. Uh, <laughs> the button, you, I was sliding it over there. You sliding that straight down. Uh, but Clay, you know, we, we look at the things that happened this week, and that's why we want to kind of go around there. Brian Flores, officially the head coach, we got to hear from him, so we can certainly share our thoughts on that. Marlins are about to bring spring training. Pitchers and catchers report this week. We'll get into that. I think the most significant story, though, the Heat in South Florida, uh, or this week was the Heat in South Florida because of the trade deadline. And look, we talked last week about what could happen, and we knew that the big move wasn't going to come. But what ended up happening was the Heat basically just made a move to remove some of the glut that they had at the guard position and then to get on you know to to get under that big salary tax bill that they were about to get it i think it angered a lot of heat fans and i get it i'm just not sure what they really could have done this week that would have helped well uh, let's start this off by saying there's a there's an old trick that we do in TV when there is not a big lead story we'll teach a, we'll tease a whole bunch of stuff yeah <laughs> So this week, basically, it's like we don't have one major story, so we're going to throw a bunch of different stuff at you and see what you're interested in. Well, you know, but the funny thing, Clay, about all the stuff is these are all things that were out there last week, and they all kind of came to a head, right? So the Flores thing we knew for three weeks, Mm -hmm. but then finally the Super Bowl ended. National Signing Day we knew was coming. We knew the Heat were going to do something at the deadline. They finally did it. And, And, you know, the Marlins... We've been talking about Real Muto for months, and then they finally did it. Yeah, and going back to your question, Will, about about the Heat, if people are angry, then I I don't I don't really know what they were expecting. I be angry, by people, the way. I think they're angry just to be angry. Yeah, look, I mean, if you're it's in vogue, I I think if you're angry because this hit you in the face as a a cold dose of reality about how bad the the Heat situation is, and I understand that. If you're angry because of what's gone on the last three, four years as far as contracts go, and and this was kind of the culmination of that, okay, I understand that. But don't be angry because they didn't do anything because they did. They, they really did everything that they could have done. Nobody wants their, their well, bad contracts, and, that, and they got rid of one. We spent months, I mean months, hearing about the logjam. How many times have we used the word logjam on this podcast alone? How many times have we played that Riley clip? How many times have we been tweeted that, mentioned by fans, whatever it is, about the Heat and Tyler Johnson and his big contract and they don't even play Wayne and, you know, all this stuff. And they, on a two-for-one deal, get rid of two guys that, as good as they were at times for the Heat, just didn't fit in the future what they're trying to do. Obviously, again, with the glutton, Goran Dragic coming back after the All-Star break, I mean, it was a good move. It was addition by subtraction, mm-hmm. less choices for Spo. And then on the flip side, the whole Mickey Harrison saving money thing. Look, I'm not going to sit here and defend a billionaire and say, hey, it's, I'm glad a billionaire saved $9 million. But he didn't become a billionaire by being stupid. If you have a, a, a team that is not going to win a championship, there's a mediocre-type team, and you have this opportunity to save nine million dollars why wouldn't you save eight or nine million dollars i mean what what do you i don't even know what the debate is here all right well i'm gonna defend this trade using a baseball analogy okay if you're down three or four runs and you're starting an inning it's the ninth inning you don't need a home run to lead off you need base runners 
You need movement. Mm-hmm. You need to cl- you need to get something going. This was the to single. Me, this was to the me, single this was the single. A hundred percent. Because there's no grand slam out there for them. There's no there's no grand slam if you don't have three men on base. The Heat had the logjam. The Heat had financial problems, and the Heat have a lot of contracts. And by the way, they're far, far from fixed. But this, sure. but but before, and you know what? There's probably going to be a couple more of these before they can really go big. That's just the reality of where they're at. I think the thing that Heat fans should be excited about is that they are acknowledging it. They are recognizing it. They understand that competing every year for the eighth and final playoff spot in the mm-hmm. East is not the standard for Miami Heat basketball. They made mistakes. They're trying to correct those mistakes. And it doesn't make Tyler Johnson a bad person. The guy worked hard. He earned his four-year $50 million contract. It just didn't make sense for the Heat the way they used Tyler. And it didn't make sense for the Heat the way they used Wayne. And so they were able to move on from both deals. I think it was a single. It was a solid single, but... You take it. Better than nothing. Our sponsor today, Vera Motors. When you spend your hard-earned money on a car, go to a place with a reputation. I promise you there's no business in the state of Florida with a better reputation than Vera Motors. Vera Cadillac, Buick, GMC, Pembroke Pines. The Vera family has been serving South Florida for 60 years for the best deal in South Florida. The best service, Vera Cadillac, Buick, GMC. Vera Cadillac, Buick, GMC, 300 South University Drive, three miles north of the stadium. Pembroke Pines. I'm glad you mentioned that because I think the bottom line is this. I think the, the true takeaway for me, Clay, is that the Heat, and Pat Riley had, had sort of referenced it, obviously, with the logjam comment, but he didn't do anything about it. Remember, that comment was made early in the offseason. Mm-hmm. Heat then came back with the same team, essentially. I think Pat Riley recognized the issue, didn't know how to attack it, and is slowly trying to attack it. Maybe they thought they could go big. That's why they didn't make the moves, because remember the whole Jimmy Butler thing early in the season? Once they whiffed on that and it had to move on, and then, you again, those big, big names aren't going to come here right now given the assets they have, the lack of them, and the money that they don't have for the next couple of years, I think you had to start trimming away the excess of the roster. And excess of a mediocre roster is money. And and, and it's just an opportunity to shed some of that, give Eric Spolster less decisions. It doesn't really change what this team is. This team, I think we all thought would be a 40-44 to 44 win team. I think sometimes they play on the low end of that or even the 30. Sometimes they look great and they're in the, they look like a team that's going to be a six seed in the East and you know can play well. But the bottom line is this. This is a long-term project. We knew it. They know it. And fans need to start recognizing it too. You can be angry and, and scream and yell, Pat Riley stings, Spo should get fired. First of all, none of those things are going to happen. You guys have to recognize that the Heat are a work in progress. They're not going to be a champ instantly it's going to take some time yeah let's go back to what you said about mickey arison really quickly and and paying the luxury tax versus not there is look mickey arison doesn't want to pay a luxury tax for a mediocre team mickey mickey arison really doesn't want to pay the repeater tax at all so let's fast forward into the future let's just say hypothetically that they are able to reel in one of these big name free agents in 2021 or potentially 2020, they're able to pull off a trade, and it's going to be something that is going to put them into the luxury tax at least for one year. This, what we just saw, because, by the way, I don't think the Heat are done. I think they're done as far as trades go, but I think given, and and his name is Albert Random, Albert Namad on Twitter, he's outstanding about breaking this stuff down, so I want to give him some credit on this. Kelly Olenek has a minutes bonus and a playoff bonus. For the Heat to avoid the luxury tax, they either need to find a buyout 
or they need to not make the playoffs and not play Kelly Olynyk much the rest of the season. They are so close to being out of the luxury tax that if that happens, they will avoid the potential repeater tax down the line. So why did I give you all that as background? If they are able to pull off a trade for a big-name player next year, year after, the fact that they could potentially get out of the luxury tax this year isn't just saving Mickey Harrison a couple million bucks this season. It is probably the difference between them being willing to go into the tax Mm -hmm. in the future to bring in a really good player, even if it doesn't quite get them over that championship line quite yet, that could be the next step. And if they are indeed able to get out of the tax this year, that could be what sets in motion the future first step of bringing another big three together, so to speak. Look, I think David's analogy was a good one. I think what you're saying is is intelligent as well and makes sense. And I I think he first fans, time that's ever been said. Uh, no, see, well, first time in a while. No, you're, you're, I'm gonna log that. Yeah, log it. Clay is intelligent. We we we've known this. Eight forty nine. Uh, no, but the reality is this: this is a work in progress. I think fans. I get the frustration. I get the venting. But I just I get tired of it. Not as a defense mechanism toward the Heat, because I think if a team look, the Heat have made mistakes. There is no defense for some of the mistakes and decisions they've made. You just have to own up to it and try to get better from it and learn from it. Uh, the Heat were never going to be a championship contender this year. The the process has always been what's the future, and I think you know the development of some young players this year, trying to shed some of the excess again on this roster. That's the bottom line. And oh yeah, by the way, enjoy Dwayne Wade's last season. I mean, that's that's kind of the focus of this year. Yeah, and when you talk about people complaining, I think there are two different groups of people that are complaining here. I think what what you're tired of, and what I think a lot of people are tired of, are people who complain over and over and over again, people who know enough about the game and know enough about the Heat to have already recognized the problem that the Heat have and have had for the last few years, and they're just complaining just for the sake of complaining or to say, I told you so. I do think you have a certain group of the fan base that is so used to seeing Pat Riley save the day Mm -hmm. that I think... Up until this trade, de- this this may have been that breaking point for some people. They thought where, the miracle was coming. Yeah, yeah, and like uh, that's where I say I can understand that kind of venting, that sort of frustration, where you're finally kind of accepting your plight and accepting there is no Jimmy Butler walking through that door. There, you're not going to pull off a trade for a Kyrie Irving and Anthony Davis. Like if you were holding out that kind of hope because well, the shock, just the zone, yeah, the history, I sure, get it. But that bo- part just, of it. But but yeah. but what you're talking about, what I agree with you on is people that just complain about the same thing over and over again, knowing full well that this was going to be the plight because you already saw it coming and they just wanted to complain. And and that's look, I'll accept the complaints, but at some point you just got to stop and just figure it, figure out what's going on here. And what's going on is they've got to start looking at the future and they're trying to do that as they continue in Dwayne Wade's last season. As we continue, we turn our attention out of the dolphins. I mentioned that Brian Flores made his, uh, his, uh, I guess you should say debut, but the introduction, the press conference, the introductory press conference, fresh off a Super Bowl win, all that stuff. Uh, your first impression on Brian Flores is what? Really impressed. <laughs> I, I think he's as advertised. I, I also, this is not a hire. They didn't, they didn't hire him to come in and, and, and blow people away at the press conference. They didn't hire him to come in and be rah-rah because I don't think that's who he is. And And what I liked was that he seems genuinely, genuinely comfortable. He didn't feel like he had to come in and put on an act. I really liked, by the way, I don't know if you guys got a chance to see his his appearance at the uh, the Dolphins Cancer Challenge mm-hmm. this I, yeah, past I saw weekend. some of the clips of it, yeah. And, hey, completely transparent. He said, look, I got a lot of stuff to do, but 
especially because I believe in this cause and, and also because his mother is battling breast cancer, he felt like he had to go out there and, and kind of add a, a personal touch. It, he made it clear, look, I, I'm, I'm doing a ton of work off to the side because I know we got a lot of work to do here. So my impression of him, Will, was that he is coming into this understanding that, man, it's going to be brick by brick. You're going to have to build the foundation here. And he came in and he got to work. And I thought his his news conference was such where you felt like you were talking to a genuine human being. You didn't feel like you were uh, just hearing from somebody who came in to put on a show. And he came in knowing that nobody's going to care what I say at this news conference. It's going to be, what are we going to do? Really not in 2019, but 2020, 21 and beyond. You know, and he talked a lot about culture, accountability. And look, these are buzzwords in the coaching world and in franchises that we hear all the time. The Heat have made a business out of their culture. Adam Gase would talk about culture. Uh, the Marlins are talking about building a culture. Every team, it's a hot word. It's a buzzword. Accountability is another one. I get it. But I do think that the way Brian Flores presented these words and the way he said it didn't sound like a cliche. It sounded like a man who truly is going to put his beliefs in. And the reason I bought into it, David, is because you look at a guy who's, you want to talk about starting from the bottom, now we're here. You want to talk about a guy who, who had to pay his dues. I mean, very few people, I think, in the league can match the story of Brian Flores. And you just talked about his off-field stuff, the adversity of dealing with with a mother with breast cancer and, and the significant things that have happened. But just the fact that he was born, in, you know, born to a family and living in a poor neighborhood and a rough neighborhood uh, where you he had to earn every step mm-hmm. along the way. I think I buy into it because he lived it. He's lived it, and he's going to carry that on to his players and what he expects day in and day out. Well, I saw you doing your one-on-one with him um, after the introductory news conference, and you basically asked him, how are you going to teach the players to deal with adversity? And he had a moment where he gave a little laugh, like after everything I've been through in life, and he sort of laughed like, Dude, you have no idea. Mm-hmm. You know, the way I had to crawl myself. So he basically, to, to, I want you to continue, but basically his point was, Losing doesn't scare me. I've dealt with plenty of right. I've, I've dealt with games. I've dealt with I've dealt with worse, and I've dealt with worse my whole life. Growing up, I had to overcome some challenges. Then I got you know he started getting coffee and and dry cleaning in the Patriots organization and worked his way up through the scouting route and worked his way up through the coaching route. And by 37 years old, he's an NFL head coach. Pretty good. Um, I I don't think anybody who saw the press conference doubts Brian Flores. I don't think anybody who read his resume and looks at what he's accomplished doubts Brian Flores. I do think that people doubt the Miami Dolphins. And there's a question of, like, don't ruin him. Because he seems like... Doubt by association. Yeah, well, I I don't... If there's doubt, I don't think it's because of who he is. Because the reality is, I'll just say it straight up, I don't think based on resume they could have gotten anyone better and I don't think based on character, and this is only based on everything I've read and heard, and we had three weeks to read and hear about him, I don't think you're going to find a better person or a person who's more suited mm-hmm. to ascend to this job. But can the Dolphins organization be patient enough with him? I was very pleased to see he was the only of the eight new head coaches that got a five-year contract and not a four-year. With a fifth-year guarantee. Right, with a yeah. fifth-year guarantee. So hopefully, if he's trying to put his fingerprints on this franchise. Hopefully he doesn't have 
a bad first couple of years and like, all right, that's it. We're done with him no, because I, I think, because Harbaugh just you know bought out of Michigan and I'm 80 yeah. years old and I'm Stephen Ross and thanks for your service, but we're going to go get Harbaugh because that's the guy I, I've always I, wanted. Because you know what? could happen. It could. I mean, we all want to like him, but we be... could be sitting here in two years and be like, oh, you know what? He went he went two and 14 and then he went three and 13 and there's just a great coach who's available. I mean, that's the risk he's taking. I, they they uh look they committed to him and and they 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 know they're going to struggle. I think he knows they're going to struggle based on some of his comments. Even though he's not going to sit there and concede you know games and say hey we're going to lose a lot of games, but he knows they're going to struggle and he gets it. Uh, and I think he'll get that time. But let's face it, you know, no matter how good of a culture he's going to establish, no matter how good of a man he is, the problem is it still really is up to this front office. It's still up to Chris Greer. It is up to when are they going to take a quarterback? What are they going to do? Look, their reports continue this week. Armando Soguero reporting again that you know, Ryan Tannehill is not going to be with the Dolphins next year. And we're, we wait for that for the offseason when that comes. Chris Greer disputed that, basically saying we haven't made any decisions yet uh, on, on whether we draft a quarterback, whether we move on from our quarterback. Those are all things to look into. But if they don't find the right quarterback, Clay, I, I don't really know what Brian Flores can do to ever make this team good. That's the biggest decision the Dolphins have in the next two years. Yeah, well, he can't. And and I, what I do like though is they recognize the situation that they're in, and and at least even though their Chris Greer didn't come out and say it publicly, and, and look, we're not going to sit here and pretend to know who the sources are that Adam Schefter and and Armando Salguero are 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 getting these these this information from, but it's pretty clear that within that Dolphins organization they understand mm-hmm. that you have to get that quarterback and. What I did like from from Brian Flores was everybody, it feels like for the first time that I can remember Mm -hmm. following the Dolphins, and I've I've been here, this will be my fifth year here, but we followed them being the CBS affiliate in Fort Myers fairly closely as well. This feels like for the first time, everybody is on the same page, Mm -hmm. And, and it's not necessarily a popular page to be on which is that you can use the word tanking you can use the words organizational reset whatever it is people are are finally of the same mind that being within six between six and ten wins is is not good enough and it's going to take some pain in order to get there and what i love with what brian flores said was essentially that he told the dolphins if we're not going to be on the same page on this thing moving forward don't call me back like just, just don't let, let me let me move on with my assistant coaching career and wait Which for he said an opportunity. He was happy with. Playing hard to get, was right? He? No. Yeah, and see, <laughs> no, I because I think he was fine because he was with the Patriots. I, I, so I, I did exactly. that. Listen, I've used that. How many job well, interviews have I used that? Listen, listen, yeah. buddy. If we're not on the same page, right? right I'm right, out of right. here. Yeah, I've yeah. used that in job yeah. interviews. I've used that with women. Uh, come on, you can't quit. I'm. I, or I can't. You can't fire me. I quit. <laughs> but but what I think is. You have somebody who recognizes the the hole that this franchise has dug for itself by being mediocre. And, and Will, how many times have you... I'm a broken record. I hate mediocrity. I yeah. detest perpetual well, mediocrity. Sort of like, the, like the Heat situation we just talked 100%. about. 100%. They're recognizing, like the Heat, recognizing their mistakes. Yes. Dolphins are recognizing not just their mistakes, their, what their franchise has become. This is a decade-plus story. And look, I, I, as I said, I've been here 
my fifth year now, and, and it feels like every single year we've come out, and, and me in particular, I've, I've ripped franchises that want to be perpetually mediocre and fool themselves. Not that they want to be, mm-hmm. but they trick themselves into thinking that, all right, yeah, we're perpetually mediocre, but that just means that we're one or two free agents away from being really, really good, and you're not. And what so, I love that Chris Greer said is, talk about, you, you talked about you know, the, 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 the having a season, a big season. I mean, yeah. they've done this. They've had these right. sneaky... Sure. Solid season, though you know they make sneak into the playoffs, sure. and then they're bad again for another three or four years. Yeah. That's not what a franchise wants to be. You want sustainability. You want consistency. You want the Steelers. You want the, with the Packers, and obviously the Patriots. That's kind of a different standard. But I mean, you want that consistent nine, ten, eleven win team. Some years you might sneak into the playoffs, not make it. But some years you, you you compete for a Super Bowl, but the go ten and six, and then have you know three. Three, four straight, seven and nine seasons. It's just not. That's not what you want for a franchise. So if I'm going to sit here and rip these franchises for the last five years, and I was going to say rip them, the Dolphins, but it's been all of these franchises. I, I also way, feel like it's fair. That, that's what there. I was just about to say. Well, is it, I, I then have to stand here and also applaud and say, hey, nice job that the Marlins figured it out, and <laughs> we'll see if they're making the right decisions. That's, that's as probably th- more long term than any of them. Yes, but at least they realized, hey, let's let's. Quit Quit with this this band aid garbage. Let's quit with the duct tape and let's let's start over. They hit the reset button. That was the Dolphins, who it appears have done this, mm-hmm. and now it appears like the Heat are recognizing this. So slowly but surely, I feel like these teams are recognizing finally that quit fooling yourselves into thinking you're something you're not. And and hopefully the Heat are going to carry through with this thing, and and more importantly, hopefully Stephen Ross is patient and and follows through yep. with what he himself said with Brian Flores, and they're willing to wait on that quarterback and willing I, I to wait so. on being. I better. hope so too, because there's nothing that this town needs more than the Dolphins to just be good, and you know just to compete, just to be in the mix, and they haven't for a very very long time. Our sponsor today always in the mix, Vera Motors. When you spend your hard-earned money on a car. Go to a place with a reputation. I promise you there's no business in the state of Florida with a better reputation than Vera Motors. Vera Cadillac, Buick, GMC, Pembroke Pines. The Vera family has been serving South Florida for 60 years. For the best deal in South Florida, the best service, Vera Cadillac, Buick, GMC. Vera Cadillac, Buick, GMC, 300 South University Drive, three miles north of the stadium, Pembroke Pines. To close out, we touch on those Marlins because they start spring training this week. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll delve more into the positions and, and, and projections and things like that. Uh, Later, you know, as we approach the regular season, this is just the start of spring. But I'll ask you both this. A year ago, we all sat here uh, on the pod and in our shows and, and we discussed and we wrote about it and we tweeted about it and what the Marlins were doing. And we went back and forth with people. We went back and forth with each other on whether we believe this is the right rebuild plan that Derek Cheater and the staff has done. A year in, are you buying it more? Are you pretty much wait and see or are you hating it you know what are which direction are you leaning now a year into this whole rebuild well i'm still wait and see as far as the results are going to take some time the the players yeah Yeah, because what we've seen up to this point is is nothing different than what i think could have been expected and so you know i'm somewhere between your first and second options which is I, i don't feel better about it because initially I felt good that this was the direction that they needed to go in order to build a a sustainable contender. And by contender, I mean contend for a wild card spot, contend Mm -hmm. for a playoffs, not necessarily contend for a World Series every year. But so there's nothing – I didn't expect to see anything in the last year 
that made me think that these moves were, yes, 100%, you got the right players. Um, so I, I'm still where I was and that I like the direction that they're going, but it's still wait and see as far as do we have the right people in place to make these decisions? Mm-hmm. Are the talent evaluators good enough? And then, of course, more, most importantly, did they pick the right players to get in these deals? Yeah, and, deals. and look, that's that's the bottom line. You know, when you hear all these these names and these deals, look, the JT Romuto deal was the latest one this last week. Uh, they ended up getting the Phillies' top prospect, and that's great. You know, I mean, that's that's you you get excited. You know, Sisto Sanchez is one of the top prospects in baseball. He's got a young, live arm, at 20 years old. He looks like a potential ace. We may never hear of him. He may be a guy that never makes it to the show, or he's winning Cy Youngs in the future. You just don't, and that's the problem with these deals. Obviously, with Jeto Muto, you know, you have a catcher in his prime. I mean, they, when you had John Carlos Stanton, Christian Yelich, Marcelo Suna, at some point though, all those guys were young players too. I remember when I first heard John Carlos Stanton's name. And, hey, there's this big guy down in the mire hitting a lot of home runs, you know. He, he could have easily just been a bust. He ended up being a future MVP. Christian Yelich, same thing. I mean, he waited he, until he made the playoffs for the Yankees to do that. No, he was already an MVP. <laughs> he was already an MVP. <laughs> no, to, to be a bust. Oh, to be a bust? No, it's okay. He had a pretty big season. No, but the bottom line is this. You, you have to give it time. Uh, how I feel about this is, is the thing I'm impressed about most is that, man, the Marlins have gone all in into their plan. You want to talk about not going yeah. halfway. I have no idea if this is going to work. I in no way I'm going to sit here and defend Derek Jeter and tell you that every decision he's made is the right one. But I'll tell you one thing. Every decision he's made is the opposite of past regimes. I mean, they put Billy the Marlins on a, on a diet. <laughs> <laughs> Billy showed up looking like he went on the keto diet. He lost about 50 pounds. I mean, even Billy, you want to talk about an organization that wants to change everything about its image. They redid the ballpark, redid the uniforms, redid the mascot, redid the roster, redid the minor league system. Everything about this franchise in one year is completely different. Kudos to them. You may not agree with it. I'm not sure I agree with everything, but I will say this. I agree with the fact that their their level of, I don't know if petty is the right word, Dookie, but their level of disdain for the previous regime and how much they knew they needed to cleanse themselves of that is incredible shade clap back there's a lot of there's a lot of expressions whatever you want to say yeah whatever so i would fall under let me start with what i actually like about the organization i think when we talk about the organization what we're really really talking about is we're talking about Derek cheater let's let's cut through it because that's really who's going to be judged he's the face of the franchise the thing i like about what Derek cheater is doing is to me, it appears he's grinding it out. To me, it appears he's at the ballpark all the time. There are horrendous games that I've watched in the eighth inning where they show a cutaway of Derek Jeter sitting up in the booth, and I'm like, wow, he's still there because he's still Derek Jeter. And so he could have gone into this, shown his face, been the face of the franchise, collected a nice check, and cashed out a couple of years down the line and been done with it. But he hasn't. He appears to me to be personally committed to this. That's great. Now, in terms of what they're actually doing, it's concerning. It is concerning because how many times... This is not a normal fan base. This is not a fan base... Like, it's crazy that they have two World Series this young, but they have been hosed so many times, Marlins fans. So, again, here we sit. It's 2019, and the Marlins just traded their best player... a a catcher, a very hard position to find, in his prime for prospects. 
you know, I listened to Michael Hill, and Michael Hill said, well, we had two years of control of JT Romuto versus five years control of the Phillies catcher, plus in total we're getting 18 years of team control, two pitchers who they think are going to be starters, the lefty they think, and also Sixto, mm-hmm. and so they think they got three starting players for 18 years versus one guy for two years. Fine, that's I, I like the logic, but there's two parts to when I will move into the I'm a big believer category. And again, I, I admire the work they're doing. I just don't know if it's going to work. Two things. Number one, I need to see them get good players, which again, they're getting a bunch of prospects. And so far, so eh. I mean, there hasn't been any great finds as of 2019. We're one year in. That's number one. And number two, when they get them, Okay. If Sixto turns out to be the next Pedro Martinez, which I heard someone talking he's, about on the radio, not, he, look, he's but, a, he could be. A, he's not. Nobody's like Pedro Martinez. I, but if if he turns out to be the next ace, let's just say ace, fine. Okay, you're gonna keep him. Are you gonna sign him long term? Are you gonna invest in him? Because that that to me mm-hmm. will show. And, you know, and that's what everybody comes back at. And, and even everybody comes even, back with like, are they going to spend money? We no, get I'm, they, I'm worried about the. I'm worried about the keeping. Well, no, I'm worried about the spend money. Uh, to keep right, guys. the finding and the keeping. Listen, I give them credit for going to the international market. I mean, that was the other part of this deal that kind of was snuck in there, this bonus pool money. They're not spending that money, or they're not acquiring that money to not spend it. And they went out and they got the Mesas. I mean, they're they're, they're trying, like you said, if Loria said up, they said down. If Loria said left, they said right. They're literally doing exact. It's it's like that Seinfeld where George was doing the opposite of all of his instincts. That's basically what it is. Here's the thing, too, is what they have noticed, and from a scouting department and financial department and just roster composition department, they have recognized they can't go out and buy players. They're not the Yankees. They're not the Red Sox. They're not the Dodgers. They're not the Cubs. They can't They can't do that. So the way they have to allocate their money is young talent on the cheap, international money that has restrictions. You're limited to now what you can pay with the international pool that every team gets the same amount. You can go trade and make moves to get more, as they did to acquire the Mesas. I think they've recognized we can still get quality young players. We can still get we can go out and get international players. We just we we can't go get Bryce Harper. We can't go get Manny Machado. So when we develop our Manny Machados and Bryce Harpers, great. I still think the formula though, and I and even though they won't say this, I still think the formula is if the Marlins do develop the next Stanton, the next Machado, the next Bryce Harper, whatever the case, I think eventually the formula is still. I still think they have to trade guys like that. Mm-hmm. But I think what they feel like is that they'll have the the pipeline going through the minor league system that it's that it's one of those things where okay fine you know we you see it in franchises that x player walks or that gets traded but they have another player to come fill right in and and the marlins are seeing themselves sustainability of having that pipeline continuously coming through of players and then maybe you can sign your players to young you know maybe young players to cheaper deals as as the marlins did a few years ago with yelich i think that is the only sustainable way because if they, if you think the Marlins are going to develop young players and then in two or three years are going to spend money like the Yankees, you don't know. You have no idea what you're in store for. That's never going to happen. Well, and and let's make that distinction really quickly. <laughs> Look where Bryce Harper played last year and has played for his entire career up to this point, and then look where he's looking mm-hmm. at going. Washington is not a small market. That's still a top ten market. Washington D.C. is, and yet he's still looking at going to a bigger place, a bigger franchise. So it's not like the Marlins are are going at this that much differently than most franchises. You know, it's it's the Yankees, the Red Sox, the Mets, the Dodgers, the Giants, probably the Phillies mm-hmm. to a certain extent. 
and and maybe one or two other teams that just live on this different plane where hey if in in as Yankee fans, long-suffering as we are since Hank and Hal have taken over, they don't even spend money to keep these guys anymore or to mm-hmm. you know, bring it. So uh, trading for John Carlos Stanton and making the Marlins pay part of his salary is one thing. Yankees haven't spent on Bryce Harper. They haven't spent on Manny Machado. So I think it's not just the Marlins that are recognizing this, that you can't necessarily keep trend. your yeah. – and, and who knows, maybe by the time you know one of these players turns into a, a superstar, the salary levels will come down a little bit to where the Marlins can explain. But the type of framework that you're talking about the Marlins operating on is what I would say a good 70 to 80% of the franchises in baseball yeah, operate on. Three, so, three-quarters of the franchises right now have no chance to win. Yeah. And have so, no chance to spend money, have no chance. Aren't no no chance to sign a Machado. Aren't almost right. trying because of the financial restrictions they feel they have. Right, but, but bottom line, if you're hoping for the, the Marlins to spend like the Yankees, the Red Sox, the Do- that's never going to happen. But that's what drove me crazy about. This is what drove me crazy, honestly, so much so about all the moves that happen and that what fans are oh but if you just would have gotten pitching and you could have re-signed him mm-hmm. and keep guys the Marlins had a payroll at the 125 130 range it would have had to gone up to the 140 150 range to get new players and then if you got pitching 160 170 range that's never going to happen yep. not under Derek Jeter not under Jeffrey Luria not under any future owner it is not sustainable. It's not what's going to happen. So when you tell me this, we just needed to go out and get pitchers. Oh, we didn't trade for them. Well, you didn't trade for them because you had no minor league system, which they're trying to develop now. Because what happens now in a couple of years that the Marlins are at the at the deadline in a, in a playoff chase, and legitimately in a playoff chase in two, three years, right? And they've stockpiled their system again to have at least a top 15 system when you look at it, hopefully in a couple of years, a top 10 system where you look at the number of prospects. That's where you can go out and get a rental and get a player to lead you in the playoff chase and give up two prospects in the low, low A ball and the minors, a double A ball, to get that extra arm, to get that extra reliever. You know, you look at the championships the Marlins won. The Uger Urbina getting a, a player like that. Remember who they traded? Remember Adrian Gonzalez? Yeah. You look at those kind yeah. of deals. You look at those kind of moves. Yeah, Adrian Gonzalez went on to go have a damn good career. Would you would you trade away at Adrian Gonzalez right now for a World Series? Of course. Sure. And that's what you have to prepare yourself in that mold. The Marlins couldn't compete the last couple of years, not only because they couldn't spend money. They didn't have anybody to trade. They couldn't go out and get that arm in a playoff chase. Even with Stanton, Yelich, Asun in the lineup, it couldn't happen. So I get it, but I also get that it may not work. And in two three years, if we could be looking at Derek Jeter three years in and say, man, not only do they stink, but now they're, they're not keeping the young players they have, and they're trading away people, and it's the same cycle we saw for the previous 20 years, and nothing has changed. Teams don't win a Major League Baseball now without organizational depth. That's it. It's not a big league team in baseball is not your starting nine. It's not your really impressive outfield. It's deeper than that. The baseball season is 162 games, plus the playoffs. Guys get hurt. Pitchers wear out. You need to be able to have flexibility, mm-hmm. and the Marlins were not close. They, I mean, this team has not been to the playoffs since 2003. It's been 16 years. They needed to shake things up. So it's it's funny, Clay, you mentioned two kinds of fans. I think fans kind of talk out of both sides of their mouth because on one hand, sometimes they'll say, well, this team is so close, but we got to, but, but we got to, you know, we're just one guy away, but we got to get rid of everyone. Like you got to pick one. If you want to actually do it, you got to do it. And it's funny, like, I'm listening to you guys talk about the Marlins. We're having the same conversation we had with the Heat. Like, you got the bottom line, before you can, you before, before you can yeah. be a contender, you got to get your money right. 
That's it. You got to figure out a structure for your organization yeah. where your show me a professional sports team in 2019 who wins, whose money isn't right, whose cap situation isn't good, who doesn't have a nice mix between veterans and young players. Doesn't matter the sport. If your economics are off, you're not going to be successful. Even if you have that one star player, you can't catch lightning in the bottle without the ability to supplement it. Any successful team has the Patriots. They do it right in in football. The Golden State Warriors, they do it away in basketball where they're able to get all the right players. Every single sport where we see these dynastic sort of successes, that's what's happening. And the unfortunate thing for South Florida's teams is that's who they're up against. So the Dolphins may not want to live up to the Patriots' standard, but they're in their division. And the Heat may not want to compare themselves to the Warriors, but... If you want to compete for championships, no, that's, that's the gotta, standard. The standard is, is that's the, standard. the best. And, and then that's for a it. while, the Heat were the best. And the Marlins have been the best for a season at a time. And the Dolphins haven't been the best since before any you know, of those were born. But uh, the point is, a lot of change. A lot of change in this town. A lot of looking toward the future. And sometimes that's frustrating. I get it. But uh, we will continue to talk about... Uh, We'll see what the next topic is next week. It'll be the NBA All-Star It might break. be my ability to get this music to play yeah, properly. Pot it up softly. Ready? Ah, there we go. Wait for it. Oh, there. Oh, DJ Dookie on the ones and twos. Oh, that's good stuff. Oh, that's perfect. <laughs> <laughs>